If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, folks. Welcome back to another Mountain Westwire football podcast. It's kind of a sad day, man. It's our last full week of games, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, even in a short and extremely weird season, it's always... Uh... It always has to come to an end sometime. It's a, a little bittersweet, but uh, I'm surprised we made it this far. Surprised it even happened. We're not. I'm surprised there's been no cancellations. Fingers crossed. We're recording this on Wednesday, December 9th. So TBD. if anything happens in the next couple of days, you can blame me. Yeah, sure. But you jinx it. So it's like, come on. Uh, we'll see. This. Um, how many full weeks did we actually have? Did we have any weeks where every game was played? I, That's a good question. I think we might have had one. I know it wasn't opening week because the CSU New Mexico. Yeah, CSU New Mexico. Or not CSU New Mexico. Um, oh, I'm in the wrong week. I'm looking at week nine. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, we'd have to look and see. So, see, that's why I do some research beforehand sometimes on these off-the-wall questions I bring up to everybody. <laughs> um, I would say, actually, no. We did have – no, I got it right here. Week nine, the second full week, we had every, mm-hmm. everything played. So, answer my own question, I guess. <laughs> but this week – we have a uh, we got Friday night. Let's just go to the games. First game, the biggest game of the weekend. I don't think there's any question, right? Oh yeah, San Jose one of one of two. Let's put it that way. Okay, one of two. So this game, okay, yeah. So, okay, we'll get to the other game in a minute. But Nevada, San Jose State in Las Vegas, Sam Boyd Stadium. Winner, well, let's just say this: we t- we talked tiebreakers last year, Matt. So we'll kind of go do it as we go along here. San Jose State, if they win, guess what? Champions. They're in. They're in mm-hmm. for the uh, first. It'd be uh, what their last title was in the Big West, like the outright title, like nineteen ninety or something like that. So if they win, they get that. Nevada, if they win, they need help. So Nevada needs help by. If I'm correct on this, I don't have this sheet in front of me from Reddit or your thing, but I'm going to go off what I think is correct. They need so, a Boise win, right? 
Assuming no cancellations. Okay, there's that a caveat, obviously. Nevada <laughs> needs a Boise State win over Wyoming, and they're in. So, okay, never mind, because Boise is undefeated in conference play. I see the one loss. Maybe that's been tripping me up this week because they're 4 and 1. But the one loss mm-hmm. was a non conference to BYU. Yes. So that's all it takes a Nevada win and a Boise loss, and they're in. Mm-hmm. So, if Nevada, so could San Jose State get back in if Nevada wins? If Nevada obviously wins. I don't think there's a situation where that happens. There you go. Straightforward, right? I think so. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Check out your piece. I'll we'll retweet it as well. I just want to get a clarification here because you put a lot of time and effort into it. I kind of feel like after I read it and after I saw the conversations and after I saw what other people have written, I think most notably Chris Burry of Nevada Sportsnet, mm-hmm. it kind of seems like they were maybe a little bit clearer than I was on the interpretation of the tiebreaker. So if anybody read that and was like, still wasn't sure what was going on, I would like to apologize. I did my best. I literally spent all of Sunday morning thinking about it and writing about it. Um, But yeah, it seems pretty straightforward. I mean, the reason why, and I think uh, uh, Chris, like he laid that out as about as clearly as anybody could it mostly comes down to the tiebreaker because the only common opponent all three teams have is Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And Nevada's lone loss was against Hawaii. And when there's teams that have a tie for first or second place in the lost column, that's when you go to tiebreakers. So the fact that in that situation where Wyoming beats Boise State, all three teams would have one loss, that's why things would unfold the way that they would. It would look really weird that a 4 and one team and a 5 and one team would make it ahead of a seven and one team, but that's the way that the tiebreakers are built. Yeah, it's just the like we talked about last time. Our buddy Colin, he does Boise stuff. It's like, well, it's not fair to penalize teams for COVID stuff. I I think I just spitballed a little bit because I'm like, it seems on the surface, and we're not going to go too deep into this, but it there's a fairness to a team able to play eight games towards five games. Yet mm-hmm. again, you have the Big Ten with Ohio State changing the rules already, to, which we saw coming to allow them to play in the championship game, which is funny because the Iowa, is it the president or AD who's the head of the playoff committee? I think the AD, right, of Iowa? Uh, Gene Barta? Yeah, is he the AD of Iowa? I think so, yeah. Okay, big tank. I wasn't sure if he's president or AD, but AD makes more sense. It's weird where he's a, he's a charge of the committee, but the next day, our Big Ten meeting, how do we get Ohio State in the playoff? Seems a little bit of a conflict of interest there, but... Yeah, I forget who it was that, that put it out there. It was like they were making a joke. on. I forget if it was like Pat Forty or Bruce Feldman, one of the national writers. And he had like this photo of a, of a handwritten note that he had clearly written himself. It was literally just <laughs> Ohio State $5 signs, Indiana $1 sign. That was the decision, more or less. No kidding. And it's like, you know, um, why don't you just make the entire college football playoff out of Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and and I don't know, one one of four other teams at this point, because that's basically all you're going to get for the foreseeable future, it seems like. You know what the funny thing is? Like, about not to, well, we'll keep going Big Ten for a second, but Ohio State was already number four. They could not play, it would still be number four. I'm, I'm almost certain, even if they don't play. Mm-hmm. Like, what would really happen to get them there? Because USC's not getting there, they're undefeated still in Pac 12. Colorado's not going to get there, undefeated Pac 12. Maybe if some, like, Notre Dame Clemson losers most likely out like they're mm-hmm. going to fall behind I'll bring up like Florida maybe even a Florida wins or it'll be like a Florida Texas A&M type of team so it's like they're in regardless I don't understand what the big hubbub was about making these changes 
Yeah, and I mean, beyond that, and not to get too far off the rails before we dive into the Wolfpack and the Spartans. Yeah. First, personally, I'm more mad about the fact that they ranked two loss Iowa State ahead of Cincinnati. Yeah, that's um, true because you you put out a nice tweet because about because well, we discussed this offline all the time, like the stupid Power Six thing or the America Six, whatever I call it. It works because they force it down their throats. Mm-hmm. They make their PSAs during any game for the Americans. You get, you always see the promotional spot slots for come to school X or conference whatever throughout the broadcast. And he's in between that weird massage Derrigan thing I saw every time in watching Boise or BYU in Coastal Carolina. It's like mm-hmm. okay, but like at least they do that because you put the tweet out. Meanwhile, would it kill Greg Thompson to say anything nice about San Jose State who's undefeated? Well, yeah. yes, it would. Because, but he is right. Like Oresco, it's like ain't no Cincinnati. Like. Their strength of schedule's slightly below average, slightly below middle of the pack. It's about 80-ish, I think. Their last two games got canceled. Their Tulsa game got canceled this week. They're going to play them again, hopefully, next week for the AAC title game. I don't know what happens if that doesn't get played. But, uh, like, they, this is like a rant for the show, but, like, there was a media day. I think it was a couple years ago, and they had on video, and I was grabbing video clips for stuff. I have it somewhere. I have to find it in our USA Today database. I made some video. Where it was, I don't think Craig Thompson was in the audience, or not the audience, but was it wasn't one of the panels. It was like a, a breakdown of like four four coaches or something. Like they do the split groups, but mm-hmm. it was like here's three or four random coaches. We'll talk to you guys for half an hour, and somebody asked like, can the league do a better job promoting? And literally, there's crickets, and then Bob Davy says blah, blah 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 something, mumble something, and then goes off to talk about his Lobos, but. There, that silence is like they're probably thinking, well, heck yeah, there should be a better way, but we're not. I just don't like San Jose State this year. Like, it just sucks because who knows how a regular season would have turned out for them, or even Nevada, or even Fresno State, who's seemingly really good this year, or Boise State. Like, who knows if one of those teams could have been up ranked high enough? But it just seems like they're not doing anything, and there's like they're not going to pass close. Like, even let's put this example out there. There's no way Mountain West is getting to a near six game because let's say Tulsa wins American, they're already been at the fridge ranking anyways. Mm-hmm. If Coastal loses and say Nevada, and not Nevada, but San Jose State wins and wins next week, they might be ahead of Coastal, but that's a big maybe. And it goes to your point too all the time, like we'll rank teams that are undefeated or good G five teams, which it's just it's just playing catch up. It's like the only example I have like in the past twenty years of a big time school having that this type of scenario. But it gets made up for, but they still get screwed. It's Auburn in 04, where mm-hmm. I believe they are unranked or lowly ranked. They got stuck at four behind USC and Oklahoma, who never lost. And I don't know what the issue is, but the league, like, promoting, like, we write about random stuff in the conference, all these teams. We do this show. We do other things. There's other websites that do the same thing. But, like, the league, like, they don't promote a specific team. Like, hey, I, I get it. What's, what do you think this is like? We don't. They don't want to favor a team over another. What's their point? Like, why, why not promote your first place team? Well, I put this out there on Twitter. Even if the San Jose State doesn't necessarily get the the you know the playoff ranking respect that they might deserve, despite the fact that they've only played five games, there is something better that still might be on the table for them. What's that? The Collie Matrix number ah! one spot. <laughs> Okay. So so for the for, so just to to run this down real quick and then we'll get to the game. Um you may remember that the Kali Matrix was one of the six computers that was utilized by the BCS back in the day. 
And it's the same measure by which UCF was able to claim its 2017 championship. And, and, you know, and we, hold on, hold given... on. And retroactively, University of Utah. Yes. So, <laughs> so we, you know, we gave the Knights a fair bit of grief and like, it's, you know, it's a, it's a made up. Well, I mean, not to say it's made up, but right. like, not I don't know what field. the math is, but it's very, very much different from all the other computers that were used back then and are still used for things like, you know, tiebreakers for home field advantage in a, in a Mountain West championship, for instance. But if you look at the teams ahead of them in the standings, I think there is a path where if things break exactly right, San Jose State could get to number one and claim a championship if they wanted to. How, how so? Like, let's, let's dive into this. I love this. Okay, so one, one through ten is Coastal. Whoa. Alabama. Hey, Coastal's a good team. I saw him whoop up. Coastal's number one. Okay. Alabama's two. Cincinnati's three. And then Notre Dame, Clemson. Lafayette. Louisiana. Louisiana. Oh, boy. Miami, Florida. BYU, Ohio State, and Colorado. Where's USC? I don't see USC in this list. They're undefeated. They're USC's 22. They're 22. <laughs> okay. And, and for, the, for, for context, Boise State is 20 and Nevada is 25 by okay. the Collie Matrix. So... I think there's if if enough of these teams lose, like if they like if like for example, Louisiana beats Coastal for the Sun Belt title. Possible. They both lose their bowl games. Mm-hmm. Florida beats Alabama for the oh. SEC title. Wait, you're even missing lower spot. Coastal plays. Don't they play Troy this week? Oh yeah, that's right. So what if they lose to Troy and then they come back and beat our Lafayette? There you go. Well, I guess it would depend on what this what the standings look like. Yeah. You're just kind of thinking about the lower place team being the higher place team. Sure. Uh, continue, Cincinnati, Cincinnati loses to Tulsa in the AAC title game, and then both of those teams lose their bowl games. BYU loses San Diego State. Maybe BYU loses to San Diego State, loses its bowl game. Clemson beats Notre Dame, probably gets to the playoff, but just doesn't win the playoff. Okay. Uh, that's a tough Miami, one. Miami, Florida. They, I think, I forget who they play this week. I think they matter. have like two more games. Let's say they lose them both. Yeah. Ohio Colorado. State, Ohio State loses the Big Ten championship. To, Which, what is it, Northwestern? I don't know. It's a Big Ten. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I don't remember where Colorado's situation is at. They like, got Utah. At this point. Hey, they, they got Utah. So they Utah, Utah beats Colorado. Big right? noon, Utah. 10 a.m. local kick. <laughs> all, all that happens, and San Jose State beats Nevada. Wins the Mountain West Championship and wins its bowl game. It might be enough. I I'm just saying. I the only issue I have not issue, but the only the biggest like it's it's it takes it's just like a perfect storm. It would be extremely unlikely, but I think it would be hilarious. Well, not to say hilarious, but it would be amazing it, it, if it happened. It'd be a little comical way it happens. But the only t- the only t- tough thing I'd have would be Notre Dame Clemson mm-hmm. that winner again. It would be hard to top that winner who makes the playoff and loses in the first round. That's like the one where it'd be extremely tough. But heck, if they could finish a top ten team in any legitimate pool, I'm all there for it. We'll just have to wait and see. I'll keep an eye. We'll keep an eye on this. So. I mean, this is 2020. This is the year where anything can happen. I'd hope so. All right, let's actually get to the game we're talking about. Okay, Nevada, San Jose State, and San Boyd Stadium, Las Vegas, Friday night, CBS Sports Network, 7 p.m. Pacific. Nobody in the stands. Even if there were, there would be nobody there because it's not a local game. Um, the line is, as of this moment, two and a half in favor of San Jose State. How do you feel about that line? I mean, what that tells me is Vegas more or less sees them as even. That's why I thought, too. Like, thinking about the game, seeing who's in, seeing who's out. This, both look at their strengths and weaknesses. 
they're kind of not mirror image, but there's a lot of things where they both do the exact same thing well or not well. Like they mm-hmm. both throw the ball really well. They run Nevada runs the ball better, but not great. Relatively soon as they stay excluding last week versus Hawaii, mm-hmm. Nevada runs a bit better. Like yeah. offensive line's really good for San Jose State. Defensive line's really good, even if uh Don P- Peterson, which is his status is still uh Questionable seems likely he'll play. I haven't heard anything, so I'm assuming his status is uh, to be determined. Well, over at Nevada Sports, that they mentioned he's been practicing all week. Okay, a little bit. So they expect they want him to play a couple snaps against Fresno, but he has a sprained ankle. Expected to get more reps, maybe not a hundred percent, but more reps. But they mm. also should be getting back uh, EJ Muhammad, who's been in concussion protocol. Yeah. So he's been cleared. So those are two big deals. Like the receivers are both really good. Um, tight ends are good for each team. So it's like. The differences are, are small, and those are pro- obviously it's the small things that are what's going to make difference in the game. But like, there's hard to say that a team is significantly better anywhere in the field against each other. What do you think the biggest edge is? Would it um, so maybe the de- not even defensive line like they San Jose State has Cade Hall back there, so they have there's a lot of good good talent everywhere. And so, do what we're saying is Matt, don't miss the game, right? No, definitely not. I mean, you mentioned Kate Hall. It's, he, he's also he's been joined by Viliami Pahoko as two of the better mm-hmm. defenders anywhere in the conference. But I think one thing to keep in mind with this game is like even if you look at the advanced numbers and see that Nevada, that you know, compared to some of the other teams in the conference, they haven't been you know elite as far as protecting Carson Strong. Like they're thirty eighth in the excuse me thirty sixth in the country with a four point eight percent sack rate. But what you can say is against the teams that have that have possessed kind of the strongest pass rushes in the conference, and I'm thinking primarily about Fresno State and San Diego State when I say this, Nevada's passed their toughest tests so far. And, you know, with Hall, with Pahoko, with everybody else in that front seven, they're basically going to need that offensive line to do it one more time because, you know, the Bulldogs only had two sacks last week. San Diego State had none. Mm-hmm. And I think if if Nevada's going to have a chance to win this game, they've got to be able to find a way to keep strong clean. And if that means kind of veering away from the pass the, from the deep passing and, and relying more on the short to intermediate, in the same way that they did uh, more against Hawaii, I guess I would say, where it, they didn't necessarily have the time to set up those deep passes, so they they took what they could underneath. If San Jose State forces them to that, I think they're still good enough to move the ball down the field with that. But again, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, keeping him clean, keeping them off balance with the running game, you know, making sure that both Tawa and Lee, even if they don't necessarily generate explosive plays, that they're not necessarily just, you know, putting them in too many passing down situations. And I think, you know, one thing that's still worth keeping in mind is... You know, they're still roughly middle of the pack nationally as far as opportunity rate, you know, 42.7%. Um, and when it comes to third and short situations, they're 122nd by that regard. So they haven't necessarily been great about moving the chains in those short yardage situations. And they're going to need that because, you know, it, especially in a game like this where there, there's a lot of things where you could consider them even on both sides – it may be that the best defense is a good offense, and a good yeah. offense in this case is an efficient one. So what's the better offense, you think? I mean, personally, I think I would probably give it to Nevada just because we've seen a little more consistency from their ground game than we've seen mm-hmm. from San Jose State. Agreed. Which is not to say that I don't think the Spartans can't do what they did against Hawaii to some extent. 
against the Wolfpack. I think a lot of that is going to depend on whether Peterson is back up front or not, though. Yeah, like, they have a good defense even if he doesn't play. Mm -hmm. Like, is he, like, they won last week without him against Fresno, and that was a really good game with, like, we even what Jake Hayner was throwing, what, 480 yards, a couple touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't necessarily need him, but clearly it's a boon to have one of the, what, top five defenders in the conference at full strength, even not full strength. Mm-hmm. I think he'd still be good. So, like, I is he? I don't want to say he's a key to victory for either team, but he's up there. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way: like, over the last couple of weeks, the Spartans have averaged over six yards a carry, and they but they did it against UNLV in Hawaii. Yeah. And so, I, if you're if you're looking for like a prove it in this situation, you know, in the same way that Nevada's going to have to prove they can keep Carson Strong clean against the Spartans' pass rush, San Jose State's going to have to do the same when it comes to being being able to prove they can run the football against a, a Nevada front that, you know, without Peterson is probably still better than what the Warriors and Rebels were able to offer in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. It's a, this game's hard to, it's hard to define. It's going to be by the smallest of, like you mentioned, like mm-hmm. Peterson back, can they run the, who, can San Jose run the ball better? Can it consistent Nevada? Like, I honestly think like, and like the receivers, like look at this talent on here. You had, you have um, Bailey Gaither, you have Trey Walker, you have Romeo Dubs, you have, uh, was it Troy Horton last week, who went off for five catches and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Who else? Like, isn't there uh, somebody else I'm missing a tight end for Nevada as well? Cole Turner. Uh, yeah, Cole Turner. I was going to say something completely different. But, like, look at all this talent out there. You got even Toa Tala back. Like, did, I don't know. This It's going to be wild. Like, the, the over-under on this game, it has to be out of this world. It's sitting at uh, 58 and a half. It has to be the over, right? has to be. I mean, you would think so, like, but you know, but another, I mean, if you're thinking about over under, another thing that could make a huge difference in this game is how well Nevada finishes drives. Because when you look at red zone conversions between the Spartans and the Wolfpack this year, on the whole, you know, even though the Wolfpack have had more opportunities in general than the Spartans have, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that has to do with the, with the disparity between seven games and five games. You know, yeah. on the aggregate, they are about as good as one another in in getting points in those situations. You know, San Jose State's at 94.4%. Nevada's at 93.1%. The big difference is that San Jose State's been able to turn a lot more of those opportunities into touchdowns than the Wolfpack have. You know, Nevada's 27 of 29, but they have 12 field goals. and, and that, We've seen that a lot, a, yeah. That's a credit to Brandon Talton, who's been, you know, he's only missed once this year. He's basically been as good as automatic as anybody in the country. But that's going to be a huge deal for both sides, you know, how well the Spartans can defend in the red zone. You know, because if they can hold the Wolf Pack to three the same way that other opponents have this year, they can give themselves opportunities to either, you know, take a lead if they're like, let's say they're, you know, down seven and, they can hold Nevada to, to a field goal, and now all of a sudden they're down 10, but you know, they give themselves a chance to march down the field. They score a touchdown, they're back within a field goal. And especially if it's like late in the game, that could be the difference between you know the Spartans being able to have an opportunity to take it to overtime or something like that, and Nevada being able to really put the pressure on them late and, and force them to, to gamble a little more than they might want to. Yeah, I, that's the thing. Too. Like, remember going back to the San Diego State game? Like, mm-hmm. how many times has Brandon Talton having kick field goals? Yeah. Like, that game, 
could have been much different for a lot of different reasons. Either whatever the San Diego State got, whatever they stopped mm-hmm. him by like, touchdowns. They had more. They were close to. They were close to the goals, except for the, the one he missed came in that game was uh, what forty plus yard or something like that. I don't recall exactly. Mm-hmm. But having you're right, like they you got this game can't be won by field goals. You have to score and touchdowns to re, to reinforce that point. When you look at opponents' red down conversions this year, for which team, which way for both teams? Oh, both, they're okay. a, they're they're dead even. Ooh. In in interestingly, in that they're slightly below average. You know, they've allowed a touchdown on opponents' red red zone conversions sixty percent of the time on both sides. And, and so, yeah, how teams how they defend inside the twenty is is probably going to be the one thing, if nothing else, that makes or breaks whoever wins this game. So, like, what's the difference? Is it the secondary of the scheme? Because here's what uh, we see. One thing we can go off of them playing Hawaii each team back to back weeks. Mm. Is San Jose State going to replicate what Hawaii did, where they drop everybody back? Because they still have, like, we mentioned the two good defenders, Hall and the other guys up there, that can get mm-hmm. to the quarterback regardless. So, like, are they going to drop back and say Toa Tawa and everybody else just um, and beat us underneath and short passes to Cole Turner and not let Dubs go deep, not let Torrey Horton go deep for those big pass plays and say, fine, we'll let you have fewer possessions and just throw it underneath? And stop them because that seemed to work pretty well. But when Nevada, when Hawaii did it to San Jose State, San Jose State still found a way to throw the ball. That's a good question. I mean, I think it's going to depend on how much success the Wolfpack have early on, especially because one of the things that I noticed in kind of digging through some of the situational splits is that you know on the whole, the Spartans' pass defense has been much stiffer in the second half of games than in the first. So I think Nevada is probably going to be inclined to want to come out and do what they do, which is throw the football on probably first, second, and third down. I wouldn't be surprised if that's how they come out swinging. But I think they're going to have to prove they can move the ball that way early on or else San Jose State's going to be in a position where they get better as the game goes along and they get better by downs as two. That's something else to keep in mind is that if the Wolfpack get into a lot of situations where they're forced into a lot of passing downs – on the whole, San Jose State's only averaging – first of all, they're allowing a 50% completion rate on third down. They've allowed 14 of 38 conversions through the air. Mm. And you know a lot of that has to do with when they get opponents to third and mid, third and long. They haven't given up that many – you know that many uh, conversions in those situations. And so that's something else to keep an eye on too where if they – get Carson Strong into a position where he's got to convert third and eight, third and 10 more often than I think Nevada would want him to. That's something else that could tilt the game in their favor too. And granted, even if Nevada isn't able to to convert in those situations, they might be able to still flip the field because I think it's pretty safe to say they have the better punter as well in, in Julian Diaz who can flip the field in a way that San Jose State's Elijah Fisher might not be able to. So that's something else to keep an eye on too, where even if Nevada sputters, they might be able to put their their defense in a better position more often than not to 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 get the ball back in, with reasonable field position themselves. What else do we say? Is it time to make picks? Because there's a lot of uh, back and forth going on about. I think it might be time to make picks. I, I don't know, man. What is FEI? Did we have SP plus? I know we have SP plus FEI out there too yet. Unfortunately not. Um, so I'll just say what I said last week. If you're interested in FBI projections, go to bcftoys.com. Should be. As for SP Plus, 
Uh, you're not going to get a lot of help from the advanced numbers. They they favor Nevada, but by only 1.2 points. That's a 53% win probability. Oh, man. I... Hmm. All right, so when you look at also I these really quick BP or not BP that's basketball, FPI gives San Jose State fifty three percent chance to win a game. Very evenly matched. Yeah, like the difference. Maybe it is special teams. Maybe it's um whoever has this amazing kick or pop return to set up field position, or it's a team where you flip the field or you make a touchdown touchdown to a touchdown field goal. Mm-hmm. Like my pick. If I'm looking at if I'm looking at total offense because you know that's what I do, Matt. Total mm-hmm. offense, like you said earlier, I give a slight edge to Nevada because they can run a bit more. They have maybe one more weapon, I guess two if you can, with the running game, but I think one more receiver, capable receiver than San Jose State on the whole, I believe, because we've seen multiple guys have lead the team in receiving the, each of the past three weeks. Mm-hmm. So I could easily say the team like secondary, it's uh, pretty good. I I'm just go I'm just gonna get them with NFT. I'm I'm on the Spartans bandwagon. I'm picking the Spartans to win. Okay. And I guess cover the two and a half because it's tiny. So yeah, I'm I'm sticking with them. They're undefeated. They won last week. They beat the team who Nevada couldn't beat as well. So they're gonna overcome diversity. Like if you all read the athletic article, it's pretty good about them setting up shop in Vegas. Definitely go read that, or maybe I'll send out one of my free thirty day links because I still have four of those out, hanging out there. But I'm going Spartans to win. Thirty eight. 34. A lot of points. Give me the Wolf Pack. Oh, dueling picks. Dueling picks. Why? Or score, I guess. We already know why, sort of. What? Yeah, what do you got? <laughs> I think if it comes down to it... Brandon Talton's your hero? <laughs> no, I mean, that's, I mean, that's one factor. But I think if Nevada falls behind, I think they still might be better equipped to, to, to rally by virtue of its deep passing game. And that's something that, you know, San Jose State, for as successful as they've been, and, and that includes last week's win over Hawaii, you know, they did most of their scoring with underneath routes, and it was Trey Walker's catch and run that really made the difference. I don't think that Nevada is going to be in a position in the secondary where they're going to allow those same kinds of big chunk plays where it comes down to yards after catch. Yeah. And that might just be the difference in this game. I mean, I think it'll be—I think it'll definitely be a good game. I think it's going to be slightly lower scoring, but I'm going to take Nevada to win thirty-four to thirty. Slightly lower scoring. I hear you. Yeah. All right, that's the pick. So if you disagree or agree, let us know. But that's a—just uh, don't miss the game. I don't care. It's Friday night. Hey, dude, you can't go anywhere. It's COVID season year-round, so stay home and watch the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right, next games. What do we got next? We go to a big slate of Saturday games. We started do okay, we got Boise State Wyoming. Well, do we need we need to discuss Brian Harston first, don't we? Yes. Without talking for twenty minutes like we did about Big Ten football. So <laughs> <laughs> apologies, but the comment matrix is important, people. Dang it, we'll tell you. Um so these comments, I have some thoughts, you have some thoughts. So they came from what? From the Idaho Press Tribune, from BJ Reigns, and also what was it? Dev Boise that has a partnership with him as well. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So the comments were here's my thoughts of the comments before I even tell you, read what they are. My thought, thoughts were he, Brian Harson was pissed Boise did not play football initially. And it, it bubbled up due to other things within the league. Like there's a lawsuit about, about the TV revenue. Um, this is before any COVID cancellation, which he wasn't too happy anyways with. There wasn't – you could clearly tell he wasn't too happy. But is, this seems a guy who was very upset about something, that he, his team couldn't play football. It sounds like maybe they wanted to play on their own this year, but the league wasn't going to allow that despite Air Force having to one game in. I'm kind of reading into that part. But here's why I think the people in charge just said, here, here, Coach Harson. Let me pat you in the head because if you're a football coach – and football is your bread and brother. Like, well, let's say the USC AD or the Texas AD or Alabama AD, or excuse me, coach says, "Hey, we need to make this change to go." Let's just say go independent. That's the only other move those schools will make. Like, you're the big dog on campus. You talk to your you you go talk to your AD and say, "Hey, what do we got to do to better ourselves? Maybe get to another conference or go independent or something." Would that coach? Would that AD or president go talk to inferior conferences? as in this case, the Big West and West Coast Conference. Mm. To me, the higher-ups are not taking this seriously at all, and Brian Harson was just blowing off steam because he was not happy. That's how I take it. How do you see it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see it mostly the same way. Yeah, I, I, We've been talking about this at length uh, in, our, <laughs> in our writer DM on Twitter. But I think it's, you know, it's one thing to vent. It's one thing to, like, take a stance, which is, which is fine. And... You know, a lot of fans in the in the replies to, to BJ Reigns' uh, article were like, well, good. That is what he should be saying. And objectively, I would kind of agree with them. Yeah. I'm not a Boise State fan, but I would think that you'd want your coach to try and be your biggest cheerleader. Yeah, I don't think it's – I mean, the only thing I might quibble with is, you know, trying to play through a pandemic and, and say, yeah. insisting that you got to take the lead on that. And it's like, well – do you? <laughs> no, you don't. Um, look look at I mean, basketball. I mean, at the time, you know, I, I can, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, blowing off a little bit of steam and that's fine. I think even if nobody else is getting their emails, you know, access to the Freedom of Information Act or anything like that, I'm sure he's not the only coach who has said that in communications um, or, or, or felt that way if they haven't exactly put it down to electronic text or anything like that. But I just don't think it's going to amount to anything. You know, you can take your stance. I would just say that I don't think it's going to change 
the situation in the foreseeable future. And that's not necessarily on him or any other individual. I think that we don't have any idea how these current circumstances are going to affect how other conferences are interested or, or my first inclination is to say would be uninterested in conference realignment in the near future. Because I think, you know, if everybody's losing revenue, it's going to force conferences to, especially the power of five conferences to probably circle the wagons in that regard. I don't think it's mm-hmm. going to make them more eager to share their television pie. You know, when you look at the PAC 12, for instance, <laughs> a lot of PAC 12 people, a lot of PAC 12 fans, a lot of PAC 12 reporters, uh, I get the impression that nobody's happy with Larry Scott, that the conference has kind of shot itself in the foot a number of times. We call him on our radio show here in Salt Lake City, two Rolex Larry. Because he takes okay. it, <laughs> so that's where we stand on Larry Scott with the Utes and everything here in Utah. So the Pac-12 <laughs> wouldn't necessarily be dealing with Boise State from a position of strength if they wanted to deal with them at all. Um, you know, the Big Twelve is run by Texas and Oklahoma. They're, the, the, that conference isn't going to do anything without those two teams to say so. Mm-hmm. And it really, Texas seem... to say so. Come on, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and and just kind of more you know to kind of bring the focus back to Boise State in particular it's not like they haven't been immune to attendance downturns same as the rest of the conference mm-hmm. it hasn't been quite as concentrated as it has been in other corners of the conference but it's there you know the tv ratings over the last couple of years are there you know and granted there's only three data points that you can really point to from this year's ratings but you know their their BYU rating was not necessarily as good as it was in years past even it, it was better from what it was in 2018 and 2019 their division game against or rather their opener against utah state would have ranked in the middle of the pack mm-hmm. so i mean i think there's still the jury's still out as to what that situation is going to look like in the next five years but if I were going to put my money on it, I would say that the that they're probably still going to be in the Mountain West in the next five years, and I think a lot of that is just going to be because of factors beyond their control. Yeah, a couple of things like you talk about revenue shortfall. BYU AD Tom Homo came out where I think it's twenty or thirty million in the hole. Please donate Cougar Cougar Nation. Donate us. We've seen sixty five million for a couple. I saw a couple of numbers. I don't recall. I think they're Big Ten schools or ACC, like $30 million, $65 million, like big-time programs. Not- they just had to axe their newly refurbished baseball program. Boise State, yes. They kill, And they're not alone in this regard in the Mountain yeah. West. Fresno State had to do the same thing with wrestling. Yeah, they just brought it back. Like both those with They base- brought it back, and they had to kill it. And baseball had not even a season. Costs. Baseball played, yeah. what, five games, right? Yes. And so yeah. it's, it's not necessarily – like I like I'm not going to be hard on Harson or anything like that. I think he's justified in his beliefs, even if at the time, considering the circumstances in our society, it was perhaps a little bit misguided. But that's about the only thing I would take issue with. So, like, let's just play along with Harson. So he wants to team wants to leave. Like, what's the best scenario? Because they already get more money in the Mountain West. Clearly, mm-hmm. like. What okay? What does he want? Does he, I think what he wants because he calls out Craig Thompson specifically, mm-hmm. which we all do because we already mentioned before the San Jose State thing. They never, if ever, say we're going to promote the conference like Mike Oresco the American. He does a great job. He's always like, well, the numbers speak for themselves. I'm like, he just he just did that today on behalf of Cincinnati. Yeah, like because Iowa State jumped them for some unforsaken reason. Who cares? They had that Texas win, I guess. I don't know, but like that makes no sense. But like, 
San Diego State, what are they? They uh, lost to Colorado, but they're like six and two, five and two against the Pac-12. They beat UCLA. They have some good wins. Like bring that up. Like these schools do a good job. Like you need a cohesive message, and that's part of it too. It's like I remember years ago when you had Mac Brown at Texas, and um, I think maybe Tedford was at Cal. When they're battling for that last spot in the BCS or Rose Bowl or something like that. So you're talking about oh four, oh five. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like for a New Year's Six game, whatever it's called, BCS game. They were fighting to get in there on TV all the time. It's like. Mike Resco goes on every radio station anywhere. Like I try to get Craig Thompson. They always turn me like, no, he has the media availability here. Sending your questions. I'm like, guys, the only place he talks is freaking San Diego Union Tribune, right? Like he doesn't talk to anybody else. That's it. He, he blows up the Gonzaga deal before it happens. He's uninterested in Wichita State. Like within the Mountain West, the only big move is really basketball. Like if you brought in Gonzaga basketball, Wichita State basketball, maybe football down the road. Like, your conference is as good as the Big East. Like, they're right of the cusp. They're better than the Pac-12, probably. Like, those smallish moves are not football moves, but they're moves to help the conference. And he, I don't, he's been the commissioner day one. Like, there are some good things he's done. Like, I maybe support him more than others, but it's like, getting to the point. It's like, what the heck are you doing? But for Boyce, like, what is Harson want to see? I think he just wants to be on a bigger stage. Like, there's too, too much money shortfalls to go to a bigger, like, if they're losing teams or leagues are losing money. Um, again, I here's what it comes down to. Like, If you want to go, let's just say even the American Conference, you got to, and they didn't redo their deal after after UConn left. So they got to, the money stayed the same. They're not going to redo that, redo that though probably. But if they're going to go to a bigger league, let's just say the Big 12, just because, why not? Unless you bring in 25 million bucks a year, you're not going to be talked to, right? Mm-hmm. Like I made a joke on Twitter, bring a Boise BYU bid, see what that would do. Maybe, but then again, those two schools had to equal $50 million, and unfortunately, Boise doesn't have it. And I, unless they just want to leave the conference and go on their own, there's nowhere for them to go, unfortunately. But I guess they'll good move, get a better commissioner who wants to do something, promote the league. And But again, it comes back to me like this is the AD and higher up saying, oh, football coach, you're good job, go win games. Because he outs the WCC commissioner by saying she, and I believe she's the only female what commissioner in all of college, most of college sports and they're out West. So it makes sense. And then mm-hmm. he says the big West never responded. Like if you're really back in your football coach, you're not talking to those two conferences. Mm-hmm. You're talking to the big 12. You're talking to the American. You're talking to pac 12 to see if there's any interest at all. And so I just think he was blown off steam and nothing's going to come of this. I don't think anything will. They'll you like, you said, they'll be in the league for five years. And, but our, our Raj or buddy mentioned DMs like this gives him a good chance to bolt and take a bigger job. If Arsenal wants to, to be on See, I don't, think that, I don't think that's true. I mean, I don't think that's likely to happen either. I know, but that's a good reason to say I wanted a bigger stage. I got it, but it's not Boise with me. It's me choosing my own path. I just kind of feel like if he was going to do it, he would have done it already. And also, I'll bring this one last thing. Like, not to be critical, like Boise's really good in the conference. They're the name brand and winning a lot of games. But they're not doing what they used to do. They're not doing what UCS done recently. They're not going to near six of 11 at one time, and it wasn't even with his players. It was with Chris Peterson's guys. And so he hasn't done what any coach before him has done. One conference championship, that's good. Always winning basically 10 games. But he has not been in. If, if he thinks they're that good, then go to the New Year's Six games and then get your name out to do something better. Like, they're not doing that. They've been fairly close every couple of years. But they're not the end. Like, they're at the top every year. They're in contention with the conference every year, as they should be. But they're not winning it every year. So it's the curse of great expectations. It is. And so just saying, like, he spouts off, but he is less successful than Chris Peterson, less successful than um, 
what's his name? Dan Hawkins, right? I mean, I guess objectively, there's a slight step down. But I'm, I just, I'm the, just saying, it's right? It's the slightest possible hey, step. Hey, you're that good. You want to live up to it. You're not living up to those prior coaches. I'm just saying. I mean, their, their win percentage isn't 900 anymore. It's only like 780 I get something. it. And they're not in the whack. The, the nerve. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, they all went to Big Ten Bowl games. He went one yeah. time and none of not his players. I'm just leaving that. Like, I'm looking objectively everywhere. Like, should could Boise compete in a bigger league? Probably. Yeah, they'd be fine. It took Utah TCU a couple years to get going, like West Virginia or Big East teams to move up, but whatever. Let's get to the game. Let's get back to this because we're already 40 minutes and we've done 1.2 games. So, Boise's just going to steamroll Wyoming, right? They're favored by 11.5 points. Too low for my taste. It's a. I was going to say, that's it? I know, yeah. Dude, look at Hawaii. Hawaii's a 20 point favorite over UNLV. (laughs) Uh, CBS Sports Network, 3 Pacific, 4 Mountain Time at War Memorial Stadium. It looks like Xavier Valade would be back in this game, which is a big deal. But they lost to New Mexico last week, Matt. <laughs> right? Well, and I think more, more, more to the point, Levi Williams, his status, so far as I know, is still up in the air. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't a great performance against the Lobos. But no, they lost, so no, it was not. It's, a, great it's, a, it's hard to imagine you know, a scenario in where a third-string quarterback starts his very first game against you know, against a team like Boise State. Like, good luck with that, you know? And But that might be the situation that Gavin Beerup is in. And, you know, it's... It kind of speaks to a larger problem that I still don't think we're giving enough attention to, which is... And I think that our, our, our guy Jesse talked about this when he wrote his column and he was speaking directly to some comments that Craig Bull made. About he brought him out of, of retirement to write something like two years or whatever it's been. But, you know, one thing, and I think I mentioned this on the Recop podcast, but I'll just say it again. They've had more transition at the most important position on the field more often than I think they, they expected since Josh Allen left town. Because I think they expected Tyler Vanderwall to be the answer, mm. and then he wasn't. And then he got supplanted by Sean Chambers. Sean Chambers, across three seasons now, has started roughly the equivalent of one full year's worth of games. So and he's been and he's been seriously hurt twice in that time. So it's kind of hard to tell a little bit with that, right? And Levi Williams, to this oh, point, yeah. has only started eight career games. Yeah. And now you might be facing, again, you might be facing a situation where you're starting your third string quarterback his second career appearance, his first career start against the Boise State Broncos. And to me, that kind of, and, and yes, there are some kind of overarching issues that were, the further I kind of dug into it have been kind of year after year issues in a lot of respects. And, and one of those things that I pointed out on Twitter was just their ability to convert third downs, especially through the air. Even they third and been, short, they're terrible. It hasn't really mattered if it's been Allen or Vanderwall or Chambers or Williams over the last three seasons. At least they just kind of underperformed in that element of the game. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know that you can necessarily pin it on one thing. You yeah, I mean you can maybe I can. give part of the blame to play calling. You can give part of the blame to inexperience. You know, at a certain point, you regardless of experience, you do want your quarterbacks to be able to just make plays a little more consistently, but. It's just one of those things where there's really only so, – I just feel like it, it really has kept them from realizing their ceiling, especially – you know. And, and it wasn't to say it wasn't going to be easy for them to do so with all the opt-outs and the injuries that they had you know, early on in this season. But that, I think, kind of speaks to a larger issue where 
we still don't really kind of know where they're at, but it's to me, it's still kind of a good sign that they've still been competitive more often than not. It's both because we mentioned how many uh, wide receivers are brand new this year as well. Like, 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 let's put it this way. Let's remember last year's game against the Broncos where they had to turn back to Vanderwall. Mm-hmm. They basically had no passing game and they still they, they took that game to overtime, did they not? Uh, I gotta look and see. I don't recall off the top of my head. I think so. But like I'm looking here, third down passing offense, like they're completing 52% on any third down play. Mm-hmm. Like that's middle of the pack in conference. They're 50 or 50, excuse me, 51. They have two interceptions, one touchdown. So it's like it's any third down, but you're like, but it, I think it's more passing. Like it's third in anything, and if it's third and five or more, like third and four. Here's the on third and four and six between four and six yards, they're only 33% completing. Mm-hmm. Like they've only had. Nine attempts, but they're three of nine. This is only passing out overall. Like when they're passing on third down, they are not very good. The only time they're good, which is weird, is when it's third and seven and nine to go, where mm-hmm. they are sixty percent, six of ten. But overall, they're not. When it's third and anything, that's not good for them, and that's a problem. And they're passing like you're right. They put in Trey Hall. He does amazing, hundred plus yards back to back games. They have Xavier Valade before, like. It's it's a good thing and a bad thing where they're as good as they are running the ball and competitive and staying in games with the lack of a passing game. Like if they had a quarterback or a receiver group that was decent, they would be winning more games. Like they would have ended up winning games here and games there. But it is a bunch of play calling. It is a bunch of. Div- I know it's hard. Like you meant, we mentioned how many games Chambers has played, how many games Williams has played. It's hard to know, especially this year with the amount of practice or lack thereof they can get. To say beat me to pass a game when your guy doesn't pass, but I'd expect Levi Williams for what we saw last year or this year to be a bit better passing. And it has. Did you realize there. they only have one passing touchdown this year? That was on a um, no. That's it, really. Yeah, Uno one. One is it by the quarterback? <laughs> I yeah, I believe so. I'm just, just saying. Quote me yeah, on that. But, I'm just saying. But it's off. Know, I guess, no, no. Yes, it is, but no. To be fair, they only have three interceptions as well. <laughs> I thought it was four. Um, it shows here three, unless it's by a non-quarterback. I'm that looking might un- be true. I'm looking under um, actual QB stats, not overall passing. But one thing that they have improved upon in the passing game this year, and I think they're going to need every bit of it that they can get, is the explosive plays. Mm-hmm. And I think Isaiah Nair is probably the best example of that, where he only has eight catches, but I think he's averaging nearly 30 yards a catch or something like that. And so it's it's not Air Force, but it's very Air Force like. You know, between Chambers and Williams last year, they were they were at, they had a it was a eleven point seven percent rate of twenty yard pass plays. This year, that's been bumped up to fourteen percent, which is pretty good, all things considered. And so I think if you're going to hang around with Boise State in this game, that's kind of where it starts. Like you like you know they're going to lean on the ground game as much as they possibly can mm-hmm. and and you I would imagine that you hope that Valade is back to uh, as close to 100% as he can be. But I think even if he isn't, they're probably still well equipped to 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 lean on Trey Smith and you know and and staff. Yeah. Because for as for as messy as the offense looked overall last week against New Mexico, they still ran the ball pretty well. They still managed explosive plays, and I think they're just going to need more of those explosive plays. Like, if the efficiency still isn't going to be there, then they have to get those big plays one way or another, whether it's through the air, 
two guys like you know Trayton Welch or or Nair, or they have to get it on the ground with guys like Smith or Valaday. If they can't get it, it's going to be a long afternoon. So let's look at Boise Sigs. We haven't talked much about them. They haven't played in two weeks. Mm-hmm. The last game got canceled. Harson earlier this week. I guess what day is this? The seventh. That's what Tuesday. Sandy's mm-hmm. very confident they're going to play. I think they're going to play unless there's something Wyoming because we've seen typically two weeks has been the uh, layoff and you're good to go. But again, Boise has injuries on top of that at the key defense line positions where only a couple of cases can really hurt them. The big mm-hmm. news from there is George Solani could be back. Interesting. And if he is back, I don't think they need him to win the game, but it would be it would be helpful because if they want to – I think maybe that's why the Lions love it in half, not because of Solani because Boise hasn't played in a couple weeks. And Wyoming still is a pretty good team. They just uh, we there's some inefficiencies that really shoot themselves in the foot. But mm-hmm. if, they, if they want to get to the title game, they win. Helani's there. Get him a game because you don't want him going in. It's like remember last year, it didn't matter in the quarterback situation. Well, it did late in the year in their bowl game, but you don't want that situation where they brought in Jalen Henderson and they still had Brett Ripon and didn't look well versus uh, who did lose to Washington in the bowl game last year. Yeah, it didn't go well. It's like if he's ready to play, play him. So maybe Harson's learned. Well, okay, Helani's healthy or even healthy enough to play a bunch, get him out there to get reps against a Wyoming defense that has pretty has good players out there. Like Chad Moomin to go up against him and those type of players. If he's ready to go, and that's like they're being a ski, like we mentioned before, having Halani is better than, it's more helpful than, or they could live with and play well if they don't have Rip and if they don't have maybe C.T. Thomas or some other player, more, mm-hmm. more likely quarterback. He is what makes his team more successful than Rippin on his own, but Halani and whoever is a better combination than Rippin and Andrew Van Buren. I mean, I, I think I would definitely agree with that. And, you know, even with Halani, though, it's going to be kind of an uphill battle against the Cowboys because up front, despite the opt-out, you know, defections for the, for the season, and I think they had another defensive lineman just the other day who was suspended from the team, because uh, oh, yeah. of domestic assault, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. We saw it today, actually. Yeah. But you know, despite the turnover in the, especially up front, they've been pretty good about defending the run. Like they gave up a couple big plays to New Mexico last week. But you know, you're talking about on offense, a Broncos team that's you know in the top 30 by line yards per carry. They're in the top, you know, right around the top 30 by opportunity rate. They're one of the better teams in the country, even without Halani, as far as you know, not moving backwards. So like the 13th and stop rate, for instance, mm-hmm. and their 10th in power success rate. So when they've given themselves a chance to, to move the chains, they've been one of the best teams in the country to do that. But Wyoming's been one of the best teams defending in pretty much every single one of those situations as well. Like they're right around the top 30 in line yards on defense. They're 35th in opportunity rate. They're third in power success rate. So if it comes down to those situations where, you know, it's third and two, third and one, Boise State's going to line up with a lot of their big guys up front. They're running, you know, two. They run Riley Smith and, and John Bates out there to try to push the line. They're going to get, they're going to get a lot of pushback up front, and whoever wins those battles, you know, Boise State wins them more often than not. That might be all it takes to be able to keep the Cowboys at arm's length. But if they don't, and and, and the Cowboys are able to kind of make it a more limited possession game, you know work their ground game, work the clock, things like that. It's not necessarily going to be an easy game for Boise to win, you know, despite, you know, some of the talent disparities, despite, you know, a guy like Hawani coming back. Wyoming has the tools to be able to hang around. 
if they can kind of keep it together. So, like, okay, what's the score? Because I don't think Wyoming's going to keep it all that close. I think this is a blowout in the, hap- in the making. So you're talking about SP Plus? Let's do it. Yeah, what do they say? Am I wrong or are they, what, are they agreeing with me? So SP Plus does favor Boise, but I, depending on how much you expected them to be favored by, they only favor the Broncos by 7.9. That's a 68 win, prob- win percent prob- or excuse me, win probability. Hmm. So what's your, what's your prediction? What's your score? I think the Broncos are going to win. I think it's going to be a fairly comfortable win, but I don't think Wyoming is going to make it easy. And and maybe that's a good thing for Nevada fans because you know mm. obviously they're they're hoping that that they win on Friday and that the Broncos can take care of business on Saturday. Yeah. So I think Wyoming will cover the spread. I think it may not be necessarily as an ex, as, as exciting a game as a lot of people might anticipate. I'm going to take Boise State to win 24 to 14. Ooh, low scoring game. A little bit. I think it might be a touch higher. I'm going to go 30 to 13 Boise State. All right. Next game, we got to hustle, Matt. You, okay. Let's do it. Good thing. Utah State, Colorado State, not much to talk about. I, sorry, just being truthful there. 7.30 local time, mountain time, CBS Sports Network. Rams are a double-digit favorite in this game. Why? <laughs> what? I'll tell you why they played Utah State. That's what. Have you seen Colorado State play recently? Have you seen Utah State play recently? <laughs> oh, man. This is a pillow fight. Come on. I get, yeah, really, right? Like, okay, if we look at this game, Andrew um, Peasley gets his, what, third start? Mm-hmm. Um, that's positive. Patrick O'Brien, quarterback, is better. Running back, whoever he – unless Devont, is Devonta Henry Cole even playing in this game? He didn't play last week. So I have not heard anything. So, I saw someone mention very offhandedly that he was going to end up in the transfer portal. That hasn't happened yet. <laughs> um, no Jalen Warren. He already transferred out. Yeah, he's in he's in the portal. I haven't seen anything about Henry Cole in particular. Um, I don't let me check the depth chart real quick. I think he's still listed atop it though, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe it was just like a one week injury thing. Yeah, uh, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, he's still listed at number one on the depth chart. So I would expect to see him back this week, but you never know. So like in this game, like CSU should win, like. Utah State, losing a million players to the portal. Henry Coles, you mentioned, we're not sure if a player dies in the depth chart, but yeah. But, like, the Rams have, like, Dante Wright, Patrick O'Brien to throw the ball. Can we just stay, like, not see Todd Centennial? Centennial, that's my goal. <laughs> I mean, that'd be nice, right? Like, we mentioned in the recap, like, he provides no purpose to this team. He doesn't do what Nick Nash does. He doesn't bring a change of pace. He is just there because Steve Adazio wants him to be there. See, I think the problem for the Rams is kind of what I've talked about on on the recap, where if Utah State knows what to defend, if they know they're not going to have to worry about any of the secondary pieces, mm-hmm. if they know that the running game isn't going to pose that much of a threat, mm-hmm. then you know how. I mean, how much are you willing to bet that that Wright and McBride in particular are going to be the difference makers in this game? Because that's all they know, throw they, to. They. they they produced last week. They've been producing all season, and they've only won one game. Yeah, and they don't throw to like Nate Craig Myers. They don't throw to anybody else. They only throw to those two guys. Like if they, if Patrick O'Brien is as good as I say he is, which maybe that's fading quite a bit. Like it's it's a systemic flaw, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying overall. He's, and and O'Brien has fallen off this year. Mm-hmm. 
you know, he's he's only thrown 80 passes, which is not necessarily, you know, as as often as as other quarterbacks in the conference. But, you know, his completion percentage is way down. His yards per attempt is way down. He only has three touchdowns against two interceptions. Mm-hmm. It's been a much more modest overall performance from him. And I think that just kind of speaks to what they're trying to do with the passing game, which is just funnel everything to Wright and McBride. And which is which is not to say that, you know, Utah State's going to be able to shut that down 100 percent. You know, obviously, you know, Cam Lampkin, Zerotti Jack, Sir, uh, Jackson, uh, Luke Marion, whoever is defending Wright in particular, I think is going to have a very tall task on their hands. But I think, you know, if they can put Colorado State into situations where they have to throw more often than not, I don't think that they've shown enough where they're equipped to handle that. And I think that that makes for a situation where Utah State can hang around or even surprise and and be able to dictate the game on their own terms. Like there's a there's a path for Utah State to win. Like maybe see if Scarver get help special teams. Like they have a you know, their punter's really good as well. Like those are ways that they could. Uh, but so does Stover Brian Stonehouse from CSU, so that goes both ways a bit. But like, like let's like let's put it this way. If you think about like the 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 situations where you want your quarterback to make the most plays, right? I'm mm-hmm. thinking third downs. Yeah, O'Brien so, O'Brien has been maybe the worst quarterback in the conference in that regard. Nine of twenty eight. Worse than Wyoming? Worse than Levi Williams. Oh, yeah. It, he's basically neck and neck with Carson Baker, if you want to put it into context. Yikes. His quarter, his passer rating on third downs is fifty seven point four five. Two interceptions, six first down conversions on twenty eight pass attempts, and it doesn't really matter if it's been third and short, third and mid, third and long. He's, I mean, he's he's only had one pass on third and three yards or fewer, um, but he's basically been about as bad as you can be, and it really hasn't mattered who the opponent has been. And granted, you know, he's faced some of the better defenses in in the conference. Like, he had to go back-to-back against Boise State and San Diego State on the road. But, you know, I mean, how much is enough before you look at this Rams offense and see that something is, like, seriously wrong with it? And to me, that makes for a situation where Utah State can surprise. That's the way that I look at it. No, I think they can. I just don't trust Utah State to be a, make that move. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they're losing players every week. Like, what's what the heck's going on? That's a problem, and that's. I where... mean, to me, the, the to me the bigger question is: Can they withstand the pass rush in the same way that you know, San Diego State, despite their kind of offensive inefficiencies, they didn't really you know, let the Rams front do. I mean, they did a bare bit of damage, but they didn't let it derail the offense. I think they had like three sacks and eleven TFLs. And, you know, I could see a situation where that happens again, and maybe even if they do shift down the Utah State offense, I think that's well within the realm of possibility. Yeah, you know, patch into Utah State, If Utah yeah. State just kind of, like, turtles up and they lean on their ground game and they lean on their defense to make plays, force a mistake, what's to say that Colorado State won't play right into that? It's a possibility. Like, the Rams have good defenders. Like, like I mentioned, patch into um... – Miami transfer has what a couple seven and a half sack tackles mm-hmm. across, like five TFLs. They have Daquan Jackson. They have a lot of guys out there who are doing good things defense. And Utah State's just losing player after player after player. Backup quarterback, running backs are gone. Receivers have transferred. Like this game, I, I'm gonna Rams are gonna win, but I can see where Utah State hangs around because their offensive line occasionally. 
as we've seen, they make big plays every now and then. If they can mm-hmm. just get enough of those big plays against a not so good CSU team, that's how they'd have a chance to stick around. And I mean, that's where I'm going with. Mm-hmm. So, what do the uh, advanced numbers say for you? Okay, so SP Plus does favor the Rams. They favor Colorado State by 13.4. That's a 78% win probability. 78. So, what's your projection? What do you got? I'm going to take the Aggies. All right. The Rams are dead to me. I'm sorry. You bet. This is the time it's, to do it. You it's pay, personal to back me. Back-to-back weeks, you've been, they've been, they make you look bad. They may look, they've, they, they they've make, let me down. They may let you but down again. I'm picking CSU to win. I don't think it's necessarily <laughs> going to be a pretty game. No, it's not. But I think Utah State's going to steal it. I think, yeah, I, first of all, I, I would say at a minimum, betting Colorado State to win by two scores is a mistake. Yeah. I um, think so pro- proceed with caution if you're, go, if you're betting against the spread. But I'm going to take Utah State to win. I'm going to say twenty to twenty to seventeen. <laughs> twenty to seventeen. Um, I'm leaning towards you. I think it'll be. A, a, both teams are not great, so I'll go twenty four twenty one CSU. Next game. All right, then. You ready for the only non conference game of the week? Let's do it. San Diego State at BYU, eight p.m. local time. ESPN two, Cougars. No longer undefeated. Lost to Coastal Carolina on a very unfortunate one yard. It depends where it's side drawn, but the Daddy Chase swing got stuck at the one. Mm-hmm. 16 and a half point favorites. But the overrunner is only 49 points. That does not surprise me. You think Aztec's defense is that good to slow down BYU? Okay. So I want, I want to talk about that because I was, I was doing some digging into the traditional numbers, into the advanced numbers. Mm-hmm. And I did not realize that to this point, Kurt Maddox might be the higher of the season. Why is that? Because, I, you know, I, and I talked about this with more more directly in relation to Rocky Long when he made the move from San Diego State to New Mexico in the offseason. But I put a tweet out there. You can still find it about San Diego State's defensive SP plus rankings basically during his entire tenure going back, I think, to, to 2008 or 2009. And last season, 2019, was Rocky Long's best defense ever by SP+. They, they finished 15th overall. Do you know where they rank by defensive SP+, right now? Top 10? Yes. Number one? Not quite, but they're fifth. It's pretty good. We knew they'd be that good this year because we saw the odd difference where the offense was like near the bottom. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I thought there were going to be a top five defense by SP plus. I, I I thought there was a very good likelihood that they would be at least as good as they were last year. And yeah, some of it, but you know, they're doing essentially what you would expect them to do against opponents that you would expect them to overrun. Like your, your Utah States, your UNLVs, your Mm -hmm. your Colorado States. Yes. I'm going to throw them in there. (laughs) BYU is an entirely different animal, but we saw what Coastal Carolina was able to do to them just by virtue of being able to limit possessions, keep BYU's offense off the field. I don't know that San Diego State is necessarily equipped to play the exact kind of game because... It's Greg Bell around? Because that's a big deal for me. The question for them year after year, we'll just bring it up again. Quarterback! the, (laughs) The question is still true, just offense. Do you know where they rank by offensive SP+. Uh, flip it to the other end, like probably 110. Close. <laughs> what do we got? 118. Uh, and there's what, 127 playing this year? Yes. 
The so, question all along for this team was, can they get an offense? And, you know, they've, and they've, they've won more than once in a situation where even if they don't have an offense, like they don't, they don't get blown out. Like, you know, they lost to San Jose State by 11. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the Spartans were able to put a touchdown on late. Mm-hmm. They lost to Nevada by five. They lost to Colorado by 10. And then they've won their games more convincingly when they've been able to shut down opponents. And so I would kind of expect that, yeah, Zach Wilson is pretty good. Um, you know, the offense as a whole, the running game, Tyler Allegier uh, is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But Ru- San Diego State is far and away the best defense that they've played all year long. They're healthy. They're playing at the peak of their <laughs> the peak of their abilities. Yeah. And even if the San Diego State offense sputters i could see a situation where this game trudges into the third quarter and maybe both teams haven't scored a touchdown that's how good this aztec defense has been this year where does coastal rank in sp plus defense uh let me pull that up real quick if you want to vamp because yeah because i was looking this will be like if not number one number two defense because look who no offense be way to put this together a schedule that was not ideal like okay so i I just pulled up coastal coastal is 55th Interesting. And by sake of, by, for the sake of comparison, because Boise State's the number one by overall SP plus, mm-hmm. their defense is 49th. Okay. It just so like we're, we're dealing with like, and, and just to put this in more context, the four defenses ahead of San Diego State right now are Wisconsin, Georgia, Alabama, Cincinnati, and what's, I'm trying to look for number three right now. Who was number? I've just, oh, Northwestern. Okay. Like, so, like, you're talking yeah. about the best defenses in the country, hands down. Here's what I saw, like, <clears throat> I've clearly, because of my other job, what I do, I watch a lot of BYU football. So, the Coastal game, like, their front, especially the 94 guy who had a couple cheap shots at halftime, mm-hmm. was uh, playing a bit dirty there. He's really good. They have yeah. a couple guys who are really good. I don't think their secondary is that good where Aztecs may not be, well, I don't think they're quite as, from what I saw from both teams, I'd put Coastal's front like front four guys or defensive line down linemen a bit above San Diego State. However, they don't have like the second or like Tariq Thompson and other guys back there and the uniqueness of the defense. And BYU really has. They have a couple receivers. Like Gunnar Romney's got hurt on like one of the final plays. Not sure how healthy he'll be. Dax Milne's really good. They have a tight end, Isaac Rex. They have some good receivers. But I would think the combination, which it clearly is better, but the defensive front, like Coastal, was getting pressure like with three guys. Like Aztecs may not be able to be that good, but their secondary is good enough. Where okay, we'll bring four or five and still and still have our other and, guys. And that's where I disagree with you because when you look you at what so? they've done up front, yes, I'm just going off the because one game for us because it's not just about the three guys up front. You, know, Caden McDonald, yeah. their linebacker, is number one in the conference in tackles for loss. Okay, I think he's also number one in sacks. If I'm not mistaken, I don't have that in front of me. But you know, beyond that, he's not the only disruptive force in this front six. What you it know, could Cameron, be, Cameron Thomas. You know what it could be? Me watching BYU play bad teams, and this is the first team that blew him up. <laughs> exactly. You know, Cam Cam Thomas has seven and a half tackles for loss. Jonah Tavai has six tackles for loss. I think that's the first time we've mentioned his name all year long. Cedric Lakalaka, another linebacker, six tackles for loss. Kashawn Banks has five tackles for loss. So they are they have performed at a very high oh, they have. level. All over the defense, and they can absolutely shut down Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson hasn't faced a defense like this all year long. Not even Coastal, not Boise State. You're right. Coastal's the next best thing, and they were 
good up front but not downfield. Like look at these like the first play of the game, they had it called back like a ninety yard touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. And so like their while their front is good, which watching they are, their secondary is no not as near obviously SP plus has a middle of the pack or top third. Their secondary was not is not near as good as senior state. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference there where you're right, if they're getting beat up by those guys who are still good, if Aztecs collect they okay, maybe one be maybe they don't have the same caliber of one player as Coastal, because that guy's really good. But they have multiple guys who are equivalent <laughs> to, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, like linebackers, other guys in there who are not relying like on one or two guys. And their defense is more unique and different. Like, the 16 and a half is ridiculous. I don't get it. Like, that's... No. <laughs> like, I, I seem to you, they're really good. San Diego State, yeah, they lost to Colorado 20 to 10. But also, we need to mention here, uh, but they almost beat Nevada, but they're not, they're not getting Lucas Johnson. They're starting Brookshire again this week. And that's the bit, as you mentioned, offense, the all the all biggest concern because here's the thing, here's the thing too. Look at last year, they beat him with freaking Carson Baker and won what 13 to seven or no 13 to three, whatever it was, no touchdowns for BYU. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that's a repeat. There's no home field advantage. That's a big deal. Um, I, for what it comes down to really, and we both know this, it's the Aztecs offense and what they can do. Like Jordan Brookshire is going to get the start. There's going to be a lot on his plate. Yeah. It's like, can is Greg Bell going to be there? Can Jordan bird get a, can they, can they do special teams magic again? I don't know. So it's like, that's where it comes down to. Like, if we look overall, I would say, also BYU's defensive front, like Kyrie Tonga, we haven't mentioned, he's really good. Super athletic, mm-hmm. big NFL guy. They have a, a bunch of a bunch of players out there who can get to the Aztecs line. But I'd say that the, clearly the biggest difference is San Diego State offense. Like, defense, they match up perfectly fine. They're, that's the best units. BYU's defense is good. BYU's offense is good. The weak link is the Aztecs' offense. And, but, mm-hmm. if, but if they can run the ball and get creative and h- hand the ball off or whoever's going to run it, that's why I think whatever Greg Bell's status is, that's the biggest – it's like what Boise State mentioned, George Klein is a big deal. Like their running game has been honestly really, 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 really bad the past couple of weeks without Greg Bell. Without yeah. him, they're not going to win. It, they, I think they have to have him if they have a chance to win. I think you're probably right about that. So what what do you think? Like, what does uh, SP Plus and all those guys say? Okay, so SP Plus, uh, let me pull it up real quick. They do favor BYU. They actually favor BYU big time, a lot, a lot more than I expected. 20.1. That's an 88% win probability. Yikes. What's your score? <laughs> San Diego State's going to absolutely turn this game into a rock fight. I think that's... Like, if, if Zach Wilson thought he was miserable getting pushed around by two coastal defenders last week off an interception, whew. <laughs> I mean, I mean, other teams are... Ver- other games are very clearly, like, the more important games of the weekend. Mm-hmm. But this one might be the most entertaining. It's got to be in the conversation, at least. I would absolutely take San Diego State plus 16 and a half. Yeah, I'm definitely going at least that route. I think BYU is going to win, but I don't think the Aztecs are going to make it easy. I'm going to say tw- 24 to 21. Take the under also, right? 49. Yeah. I, like, I'm wondering if BYU is getting this crap. Like they're, okay, this, it sounds like I'm downplaying them. Their offense is really good. And so I'm wondering why the advanced numbers think they're that good. They're, so they're going to win. Like Looking at FP, oh, shit, I have in front of me, but like the FPI and stuff. They have the not one probability, but the projected score like thirty-three to sixteen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, like number five is about the same. 
I don't think any teams any teams going to get to thirty points. I'm going to go though. I'm going to go twenty four ten for BYU. All right then. Like there's if Greg Bell's out there healthy, I'd give him a chance, but I just don't think Aztecs could do enough. All right, Fresno State, New Mexico, game two at Sam Boyd Stadium Friday. Is this natural grass or is it artificial turf? Do you know? I think Sam Boyd is uh, natural grass. So we can play back to back games on natural grass. That'll be interesting. <sighs> Ronnie River status. Well, before we get that, sorry. FS1, 7.30 Pacific. Uh, Fresno's only, again, I say only 11.5 point favorites. It doesn't matter if Ronnie River's plays or not because his status is still TBD at the moment as of Wednesday mm-hmm. night. And while he's a big deal, Jordan Mims will be fine. Um, Hayner, Jay Kaner will be fine. Cropper getting the ball will be fine. What I'm saying is Fresno's going to be fine in this game. Think so? Is, is New Mexico starting their fifth string quarterback this week? <laughs> uh, last I heard, yeah. <laughs> I believe Isaiah Chavez is supposed to be getting the start in this game. Um, I think it's just going to come down to how much they can turn some of those flashes of playmaking into more consistent playmaking because it was only 5 of 10 last week, 55 yards. But, of course, 44 of that came on one play. And so I think, you know, Fresno State's proven that it can kind of turn it's, – it's more or less turn the corner. They've been better defensively than I thought they would be this year. But, you know, Nevada was still able to kind of hit them with some haymakers through the air. And so I think even if New Mexico isn't doesn't operate on quite that same level, you know, they do have some guys who can, you know, make plays down the field. They've proven that they've got guys who can, like, make tough catches, for instance, like Andrew Erickson, who – uh, if I remember correctly, he's their nominee for the Burlesworth Trophy as far as like the top walk-on, the top uh, former walk-on rather. He's only a freshman, but he's uh, he's played pretty well this year. 17 catches, 264 yards, two touchdowns, and he seems to make a nice play like at least once a week. He's kind of like a, a Jesse Matthews type of guy where like the numbers don't necessarily blow you away, but it's pretty clear that like he's a playmaker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if they can if they can get a little more from the passing game than they did last week against Wyoming, and they can get as much from the ground game as they got against the Cowboys, because I think if they're if they're going to try and win this game, they're going to try and probably keep Fresno State's offense off the field as much as possible by leaning on Bobby Cole and Nate Jones and Davon Vigilant and Bryson Carroll. And it also wouldn't surprise me if they they went to the play uh, to like some trick plays like they did a couple weeks ago where they had the was it the halfback pass from Carroll to oh, now I'm trying to remember who it Trey was Trey Hall maybe Trey Hall yeah they've done a couple of those they could they could get tricky to try and hang around in this game because it's the last game of the year nothing in this season really counts for the long run anyway why not get weird with it you literally have mm-hmm. nothing to lose. And so I think well, yeah, you do. I, new quarterback because you're out of QBs. <laughs> well, Bryson Carroll was a former QB. Okay, but, there you go. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think I would not be surprised if New Mexico got extremely aggressive with every opportunity that they got as far as like going for it on third down and fourth mm-hmm. down, you know, trying to punch it in for seven points if they're near the goal line rather than settling for a field goal, taking shots and, and just trying to win the game by any means necessary. Also, just to answer the question, Chavez is starting. Um, Brace, or sorry, Trey Hall, Tavaka, Toyota have not yet been cleared to play. If they if they don't practice Thursday, which it, you're probably by, by by the time you're hearing this, you'll know because that says Wednesday. This won't be up till Thursday. Mm-hmm. They can play if they practice by Thursday. Yeah. So they might be down to literally 
one quarterback because Gunnell obviously had wrist surgery. Um, Brent Hughes had off shoulder surgery in the summer. So they literally have one quarterback. Maybe those two guys can play if they practice Thursday. So I wouldn't count mm-hmm. on it. But you're right. Like, do what you want to do. Like, get um, get everybody involved. Get the running game going. Get Bryson Carroll to do unique things. Um, you already have an odd defense to go up against Fresno. But, like, it's going to be tough to stop, like, what Jay Kaner and what Fresno wants to do and Kalen DeBoer. It's like, there's not much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, I mean, I think if they're going to do it, you know, they and this is not you know they're the Bulldogs are much better equipped to to go back to exploiting this pass defense in a way that the Cowboys were not. Um, you know, the, their performance against Wyoming was far and away their best defensive performance, especially through the air of mm-hmm. the season. But you know, Hayner is probably going to pick them apart, and I think the only thing that's going to stop them is if they can prove they can be more disruptive. And to me, that comes down to just trying to create turnovers. And what that means more specifically is someone besides Jerick Reed II (laughs) has to create a turnover at some point because he's got four of their five interceptions, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, while having Dante Martin back in the, in the lineup has been nice, you know, he's, he's got a couple of pass breakups. He's got, you know, a sack. He's, doing what I think they expect a Rocky long defense cornerback to do. You know, I think they just need a little more, you know, I think they, right now they're slotting Corey Hightower into the starting into the, into the starting cornerback role opposite of, uh, of Martin in, in favor of Tony Collier. So I think one of those guys is just going to have to step up and make a play, whether it's Martin, whether it's Hightower or whether it's even like a true freshman, like Tavian Combs who started every game at the local position if they can get a little bit of that, they can hang around too. But I think that more than kind of leaning on trick plays and getting aggressive on offense is, is definitely easier said than done. All right, so let's just get to predictions because this game, there's not much more to talk about because Fares is going to win. It just depends by how much, right? Because also, well, we, we mentioned really quick, where Mountain West is basically down to like three bowl games. Yeah. The LA Bowl's out. They have the Arizona Bowl, which is likely champion. New Mexico Bowl, Idaho Bowl, maybe the first go Bowl, but that doesn't seem like with SMU taking their bid today. Mm-hmm. So Fresno might be, they'll be fighting with um, Boyd, because Boise, San Jose, Nevada are probably the for sure bowl teams at the moment. Yeah. So they need to win and win impressively. Mm-hmm. So what? Are, um, I'll give you my pick right now. I think Fresno, it's over under 60. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to, oh, I guess it's a push, but they're going to cover as well. I think it might be, I don't know if they'll let up on the gas line, but I think it'll be 40 to 21. So SP plus favors the Bulldogs by 13.4, mm-hmm. 78% win probability. Um, that sounds about right to me. Maybe a little bit more than that. I think the Bulldogs will win pretty comfortably. I've got Fresno State beating New, New Mexico, let's say 35 to 17. Okay. Final game of the weekend. UNLV at Hawaii. Pay per view, Team One Sports app, all that stuff. Question: Have you got? Do you have Roku at all? No, Ro- I don't think it's on Roku TV. I think they lied to us. I search, That's a disappointment. I search every week on my Roku TV, can never find it. So I always had to watch on my phone, which is fine. Whatever, I'm good with it. But I never, I'll, I never put on Roku. I can never find it because it's on my TV. So maybe that's why I don't. Whatever. But UNLV at Hawaii, three and four Warriors, zero and five. Right, zero and five. Yes, Rebels. Mm-hmm. They didn't play last week. Did they play the week before? 
Is that the Fresno game? Yeah, they got they got they got run over by Wyoming. Oh, Wyoming, that's what it was. Okay, um, is twenty points not enough for this game to be favored by Hawaii? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, what is there to say about UNLV that Matt that you're like, okay, I could see something. For me, it's if Justin Rogers plays, and I'm not sure if that's the case because he was in that whatever the orange jersey was last week. I mean, I think he's still working his way back from injury. If I remember correctly, I saw an update from practice earlier this week that says that he's probably not going to play. I think, if anything, it might be Max Gilliam and and Doug Brumfeld again. We don't need to mention Max Gilliam on TV, do we? Uh, No. You can go search. If you really want to know more, you can go look it up on Twitter. Just search below deck Max Gilliam and Sushi. He can Mm -hmm. do it. He can... He's a grown man. He can do what he wants. I don't know what he's we'll apologizing just, we'll for. We'll just say there really wasn't much to apologize for. Yeah. So, and also it wasn't during COVID, so don't don't think that's the reason why he's apologizing either, because it mm. was done, I think, back in February. All right, but that's the game itself. Like, if he plays, he's been okay. But okay, okay. So, you, so you wanted to know what what is going to have to happen for for. You and Alvito hang around in this game. Charles Williams, is, six is, is this the opportunity where they finally get to run the ball? Because yeah. we've been waiting for it all season long. This is and, it. And based off of what we've seen from the last couple of weeks from Nevada and San Jose State, now is as good a time as any for, for Charles Williams and company to go off. But will they? <laughs> That's an excellent question. I don't know. Williams is good enough, but the whole, if they stack the, because as we know, Hawaii's defensive coordinator. Is good at game. That's planning. true. That's and, true. UNLV does not necessarily possess the same caliber of passing game <laughs> nope. in Nevada and San Jose State does. So they're not necessarily going to be dropping seven or eight back into coverage. I think it's more likely that they're going to dare coverage. <laughs> UNLV. Yeah. And so, but I mean, but that makes for a very interesting possible kind of challenge for UNLV where, yes, Hawaii has been one of the better you know, passing defenses in the conference, but I don't think there's any doubt that. You know, Nevada and San Jose State had the upper hand against them over the last couple of weeks by that measure, too. And so I think if if whether it's Brumfield, whether it's Gilliam, if they can be a little more on point, you know, Kyle Williams is flashed enough where I think he's going to be a pretty key figure for them in the long run. He's been one of the better freshman receivers anywhere in the country this year. And so it's going to be interesting to see whether they line him up against Cortez Davis and say, okay, try and beat this coverage, or whether they move Davis around and, and have him cover other guys like Tylee Collins, like Zyle Griffin, or whomever else they put opposite of him, and leave it to the younger guys like Michael Washington and Cameron Lockridge to, to slow down who is very clearly the Rebels' best pass catcher. I think one way or another, he could make a huge difference in this game if Hawaii chooses to, to prioritize shutting him down or not. It's going to be really interesting to see which way they go. Yeah, also got Noah Bean, 14 catches. Williams surprisingly has 11 out of the backfield. So mm-hmm. he's a, an option there where they can uh, mix it up a little bit. But yeah, get the young guys. Williams is back. Collins is back. Uh, Noah, for next year, Noah Bean. Like Rebels have, like we mentioned multiple times, like a bunch of younger guys. And this is the same thing like you mentioned in Mexico. Do whatever it takes. Who cares? Try to get uh, Coach Royo his first FBS victory. Like, yeah. do weird things to get things going. But here's the thing, too. Like, Shavon Cordero, like, he is not perfect. It took him a while to get going this year. Like, there's chances where they can maybe pick him off if they want to overthrow. what well, Hawaii's rush offense, Miles Reed, isn't very good. So if Hawaii goes in spurts where there's drop passes a bunch or 
they're just not converting and the running game is just blah, that'll give you at least give you MLB some chances to make get their opportunities in offense. Yeah, and, and I think you're definitely right about that because Jacoby Winman, even despite the fact that he hasn't really had a lot of help from everybody else in the front seven, but he's, I mean, he's maybe not the front runner for defensive player of the year, but I would at least give him a nod or, or rather an acknowledgement because I would say he's definitely the biggest reason why on defense, the Rebels actually own a top 50 sack rate nationally. It's up to 7.3% at this point. Won a game and a lot of that has to do with women. He's basically put together the best single season by any Rebels defender uh, as far as rushing the passer in a half decade. Yeah. So. And I think that counts for something. And if you're looking for upside, you know, maybe you start to see a little more run from some of the other young guys in that front. You know, we, we mentioned it very briefly before the game got canceled. Like, you know, Brennan Scott, LaShawn Bell, are they going to get more playing time? You know, is Adam Plant going to be able to get past, you know, the, the, the Hawaii tackle duo who they haven't been quite of the same caliber performances last year. You know, um, uh, Il Manning's actually been out for the last couple of weeks. Micah Vanterpool has stepped up in his stead. Him and Gene Pryor might have more on their plate than they expect against, a, you know, a trio like, like plant bell and, and, and Scott. And, and I guess I should have said a quartet because I got to throw women in there. So it's not to say that Hawaii is necessarily going to run away with it. I think it maybe is the most likely outcome. But that's not to say UNLV is going to get pushed over, especially if they're willing to kind of roll the dice and bring pressure to, to stop Cordero. Because I think we say this week in and week out, but he's really kind of the key. If you stop him, it makes kind of the rest of the Hawaii offense grind to a halt. So let's get to scores here because I think – like. Hawaii will pass the ball well. We'll see if they run the ball, whatever. You know he's not going to win, but the advanced numbers give him a better chance or worse chance than the Vegas guys? Well, uh, a little bit better chance. They do favor Hawaii, but only by 14.1. That's a 79% win probability. Is um, The over-under is 57. I, the bulk of that is going to go to Hawaii. Obviously. Yeah, smash, smash the over. Let's put it that way. Do you think UNLV can score points, though, maybe? A little bit. Do you think they can crack 20? Yeah. Okay. What's your score then? What do you got? <laughs> well, I'm going to take Hawaii and I'm going to lay the points. I'm going to say 45 to 21. It's a lot of points. It is a lot of points. I can see that because we've seen Hawaii at points, at spurts in games where, like, look at the Boise game, the first quarter plus of the San Jose State game, they give up a lot of points quickly. So I don't know. If, I might go a little bit lower than you, but I'm going to go 40 to. Um, what does it cover? Shoot, I got to change my pick then. 44 to 14. There we go. That covers, right? 58? Yes. By one point, it gets it done. There, there, there you go. Make it work. All right, man. This has been a 90-minute show. You're welcome, folks. We talked uh, everything, all the games, non-conference games, MWR.com. We can find all it's of our – Last weekend of the year, to, to quote uh, what is it, Dan Fouts, no, no sense in holding things back now. Oh, that's right. Waterboy, right? He says like five times. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I'm like, wait, what Dan Fouts quote? I'm like, oh, fix, fictitious Dan Fouts quotes. Um, yeah, next week we have championship game plus – Army Air Force. That's true. And if you're wondering, as when I was doing some research for CSU, no plans added another game because I guess that was brought up. And do the Rams really want another game? I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're sitting at only five games, but that's <clears throat> that's what we got for this weekend. Apologize for that. But uh, download our podcast, uh, which you're listening to. Subscribe if you're not. That'd be helpful too. Wherever you get your podcast, we'll be back Sunday to talk all these recap games and start maybe figure out some postseason stuff. And until then, we'll see you then.